Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the Eating Crow Podcast. Here's your host, Pete Durand. Hey everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Eating Crow Podcast. I have the Mitchell Heim. Very excited because April is a fellow University of Wisconsin Platteville pioneer, aren't you, April? I am a proud one. Yes. Yes, and it's what's that's one of the great things about LinkedIn. It shows me other people on LinkedIn that went to school where I did, and I had seen a couple of April's posts and said, "Wait a minute, we went to the same college. We need to talk." <laughs> so April has uh, an incredibly interesting background. She is an entrepreneur, which is the point of the program. Uh, I believe she's probably eaten some crow at some point in her life. She's got four kids and and a husband who's in the military. And by the way, thank you for his service and your service. You're welcome. We're very grateful. And um, she's an inventor. So I think this is fascinating. We've never had an inventor on the program. So we're going to well, learn what it's like to invent things. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So April, tell us, you, you got your undergrad in education. Uh, from a fine academic institution, I will, I will say. And then, you know, you, you tell us how you, you nurtured this desire to invent things. Some of that, I think probably came from need, but how did you foster that? Well, just like you said, most of it came from need Uh, with, with four kids, there's always so many problems (laughs) that you're having and you're trying to to do things uh, that make things easier or quicker or better. And so the, the first product of mine that I invented was really to keep me to do, to have to do less laundry. Um, I was potty training two little boys at the time and then they'll go and dry their hands on the towel in the bathroom and then the towel will just keep falling off. And then once that towel is on the floor in the bathroom with boys, it's deemed dirty. Like yeah. you cannot use the towel again. So I was just picking up the towel, putting in the laundry, put a new towel up. And, and I couldn't get these towels to stay on the, the towel bar, which was just a silly problem to have. And I thought, okay, well, there's got to be something out there. So, you know, we all do our Google search, you know, let's buy the thing that we need to fix our problem. And there wasn't anything that fixed that problem for me. And so I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I did some research, uh, started the patent process, uh, tried, you know, I bought a sewing machine, tried different materials and came up with my first product, which is called the towel belt, which simply wraps around a towel when it's on a towel bar, secures it in place. And then what happens is you just dry your hands and walk away. And when you want to take that towel off the towel bar, you just take that towel belt off. And so I was able to get a patent on that product, which there's probably my first eating crow lesson there of spending too much money patenting something. And yes. that was quite the wake up call because uh, what I've learned since is you really want to make sure that there is um, the need and, and the demand for a product before yep. spending all that money on a patent. So I was able to secure a patent on the process of securing a towel to a towel bar. So it's a pretty amazing patent. Uh, 
and, and now I've had it for several years and have had to, you know, uh, pay for the upkeep on it and whatnot. Yep. And I'm, I'm proud that I have that patent because I did a lot of work and so did my lawyer and paid a lot of money for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but so that was the start of this whole idea of, okay, I can, I can come up with things and, and fix problems. Uh, little did I realize I had been doing that before though with just coming up with simple games um, for, for teaching and in the classroom and then for with, with my own kids, just for learning. I thought there was some things lacking. So I would just make up my own games. I would make up my own matching things for the kids. And I was doing that already, but I that just was natural. So I never thought this is inventing. I just sure. thought, oh, we're just, you know, making things fun. And so it was after that first product, the towel belt, which I realized, okay, this, this is something I, I enjoy doing. And then came the next product. So, so when you, uh, so by the way, the patent is an interesting, you have two patents, I believe, right? Yes. Yeah, that's correct. So I have a patent as well. Uh, awesome. And, and it's, it is an expensive ordeal, isn't it? It is. It so is. for inventors and entrepreneurs listening to the program, Let's touch on that before we drill into the next product and then kind of how this is all involved into 4A's creations and what you're doing today. Mm -hmm. uh, a patent is at least around a $10,000 effort, isn't it? At least, it, yes. My patent was closer to twenty-five. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and uh, it, I have it. It's a plaque on my wall. I, It looks great. It does. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It, by the way, it probably is doing more for me than I thought, just keeping people away from our IP. Nice. But uh, if you have to defend it, then it can get really expensive as well. Right. And that's the thing, you know, th that is talked about often is don't spend money on the patent if you can't defend it. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, and we were dealing in, my company was dealing in a bigger space. So we had some multi, multi-million, if not billion dollar companies that could fringe on it. So it was a good thing for us to have. But mm -hmm. uh, I think just doing the patent process in itself is a great thing for an inventor to do and learn to think about how people truly build IP? What did you learn through the patent process? Well, the, the first one, I had my lawyer do the bulk of the work. The okay. second one, I did a lot more of the, the, the searching, the patent search, figuring out exactly how my product needed to work. The, the variations are important, mm -hmm. you know, making sure you cover so much ground. So if someone just changes one thing, it's not a whole new patent. So I learned a lot in the second patent. And now I file PPAs, just, you know, the 12 to buy the 12 months, anytime yep. I do a new product. So I don't file full on utility patents for every idea, sure. but I will file that PPA um, to just buy me the 12 months to see if there's interest for the product. If there's not interest in that specific product, I'm not going to spend the money getting a full utility patent. It's just not worth it. Of course not. Of course not. Yeah. Now, when you, because people have now, they now seek you out to learn how to invent things and what that process looks like. Tell me what you're doing at, at 4A's creation and what does 4A stand for? Kind of describe how you formed this business now out of your desire to be an inventor. Okay. So 4A's stands for the four children that my husband and I have. So even though my name's April, uh, the four kids all start with an A. So Anthony, Alexander, Abraham, and Annabelle. And so because most of my ideas come from partially from them, either a problem or, or watching them or something like that, uh, it's sparked because of them uh, that I named my company for A's Creations LLC. So my company itself is me 
coming up with ideas, new products, uh, games, toys, things like that, uh, that I then turn and try to pitch it to companies for licensing so that then they will make it, manufacture it, and I'm getting a percent of that, of royalty. And then what I do is I also coach other inventors. That is through the company InventRight. Sure. That company InventRight um, had helped me when I was um, needing help on my second product. My first product, I was able to get a licensing deal, the towel belt that I told you about, but it wasn't a good licensing deal. So I learned a lot in there. I was so eager just to sign a contract, right? And sure. get my product out there in the world. I mean, I had... I had um, tried all the contests, you know, like the big Walmart contest there is. I tried out for Shark Tank. Yeah, there's like three or four levels for Shark Tank. So I didn't even oh, make yeah. it past the first level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I tried everything with that product. And so when I was able to get that licensing deal, I just wanted to sign it. And I was just starting at that time um, watching YouTube videos uh, with InventRight um, and Stephen Key. And then I realized, okay, I need to buy this book called One Simple Idea that he okay. wrote. And I followed the steps, everything to a T in that book for my next product, Right Height, which is now available for retail. And I followed everything and I was getting interest from companies and I was nervous. I was like, okay, I, I messed up before. I don't want to, I don't want to sign a bad deal. I want to make sure. sure these conversations and this relationship building is going the right way. So I did, um, sign up for their program, their coaching program and got help with that, which was extremely useful for me. Uh, And then I was able to license the right height hook with their help. And then after, I would say about the same time that was going to market, they approached me and asked if I would be interested in coaching, um, being part of their coaching team, which was great because I honestly was not looking for a job at the time. And um, And it just, it just worked out. It fell in my lap and they're amazing company, amazing people to work with. And so now I'm so blessed because people see their, um, their, their YouTube channel, Steven's books, they're, they're amazing. And so now I get to be a part of that community, which is great. How many, how many different potential inventors do you think you would see in a year through that program? Like through that pro well, So each, each coach has their own, students um that i would gosh i don't even know we have nine coaches now wow most of them are full-time and a few of us are part-time so it's a good deal we did have i just saw the email last week we get notice every time a new deal is signed and we had 11 um we helped 11 people or there are 11 contracts signed in like 15 days which is a, a, a record like that was amazing Um, But the thing is, is there's a lot of companies out there that try to say they'll do it for you. And I felt for those scams, Mm -hmm. uh, another eating crow, like give us $4,000 and get, we'll take your product and get it to the right people. No, nobody cares about your product as much as you will. So you have to learn how to do it yourself. So that's what InventRight does is it teaches you the process and it empowers you to, um, you know, do your marketing material, to do your research, to make those connections on LinkedIn, to reach out to people as a professional. And so they take you through that process so that you can do it over and over and over again, because it's really with inventing and licensing, it's a numbers game. Mm-hmm. Like the, 
the percent of people who license their first product right out is, is not that huge. Like you have to keep at it and you learn from the industry. I mean, some companies that I've pitched to, I've pitched to six or seven times and it, you know, something might go up the ladder and, 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 and get really close and then it falls at the last minute. So you've got to be constantly coming up with ideas. And when they say no on this one, oh, here's another one. Like I try to have another one ready to show them or, okay, I'll have another one in a couple of weeks for you. Uh, so it's, it's, you got to kind of have to be like an, an idea machine really. But, but that was never my goal. I never thought that would happen. I thought I had this one idea, this towel belt's going to just make the world a better place. And some inventions do, they really do. Uh, but I couldn't think past that first one at the time. And then after I kind of, things didn't go well, then another one came. And then after that one, you know, then they just started snowballing. But with the second product, I, I felt like I had a lot to prove. The first one, I got a licensing deal and then it never made it to the store shelves and sure. never made it to the market. And so I felt like I was so close. I, I learned a lot, which you've got to be open to learning. I think that is the main thing. You have to yes, be you open do. to learning. Otherwise, you're not going to go anywhere in life. And I think the main thing too is when you think you've actually arrived, you're in trouble because you should never think you're all are you're there that you've made it. I, I, I honestly think that. Um, so, so I've, I've learned a lot on this journey and, and it's, it's been amazing and the amazing people you meet and the relationships you build and, um, gosh, I mean, I was the woman who would break the computer every time I touched it. And now I'm making iMovies to pitch to companies, you know, so you, you've got to be willing to work hard. <laughs> So there's so much there, April, that's wonderful for uh, a leader or an entrepreneur listening to the program. And that's our audience. First of all, you know, those eating crow moments where you, you know, you learn tough lessons, but you got to get back up and try it again. You've applied those lessons going forward, but there's some things in then that you described. And, you know, in my day job, I'm in charge of revenue for a, a digital marketing agency. So I have a marketing teams, account management teams, sales teams, but you're all of those rolled into one, right? I mean, <laughs> You're the product team, you're the engineering team, you're the sales team, you're the marketing team, all rolled into one. And I know how hard any of those are. That's exhausting. It, it is, but it's fun. Yeah. And I hire things out too. So okay. for example, you know, if I have an idea that um, needs um, virtual prototyping or engineering, I hire that out. I personally Great. don't have those capabilities. So sure. you have to know when to hire things out too. You have to be smart about that. Now, if it's a prototype, I can take my teenagers to, to a Home Depot or Lowe's and say, hey, I need to do this and this and this. And they help me, you know, pick out the right things to make it do that. And then we build it and we can build it for 25 bucks. We're going to do that. So it just, you know, depends. Sometimes a prototype out of cardboard to show that it, it works is good enough. And sometimes you need a virtual prototype and sometimes you need something 3D printed. So just kind of knowing where your strengths are and, and where you need help is important. And, and my sell sheets, no, see, I'm an awful drawer. So I draw something and then I need someone to make it look the way I want it and, and put it together. So I have the ideas, but I, I can't do it all. So I, I definitely need help with that. So you've hit on a couple other key things for young entrepreneurs to consider. Uh, having started a couple of companies, I realized there were things I can do and I can't do as well, mm -hmm. right? Um, when another small, your, your kids are helping you. They are helping me a ton. <laughs> right. So they're learning the gig. Yeah. 
They, they are, they have come up with their own products. They're always creating, um, especially the younger two, the 12 and 10 year old, we have creative time built in our homeschool day where they're creating. Um, and they, they test play, they help me brainstorm. Uh, they, they will help with prototyping. They help with, um, one of, one of the boys is a great artist. So he will draw things up. I'll say, okay, here's my drawing. Can you make it better? And he makes it amazing. Uh, actually, I have a product right now in review that he drew. And I just had that. That's it. I'm like, draw this. I want to do this. He drew it. And it's in review um, with the company. So there's they help with so much. And then they're in all my videos and, and everything that I need. You know, you have to usually have a, a pitch video. So they're in all those if it's a game or toy or whatnot. Actually, in the housewares products, too. So it's it's definitely a team effort here definitely a team effort. And, and my husband had helped with a lot of the computer um, work in the beginning. And I've thus learned because I didn't want to depend on him and his schedule. <laughs> and um, I just sure. I knew I needed to do things on my own and learn on my own. And so he's also a great sounding board for a lot of things. Uh, but with his schedule, he's in and out. So the, mm -hmm. the kids and I do do the you know, the majority of the work, but he's, he's there for a lot of things too. So you're homeschooling as well? For the younger two. Yes. And then the high schoolers are going a, a couple days a week, you know, with this craziness. Just throw that on top of everything. That's, that's amazing. So I, I want to talk about uh, prototyping and then advancing a product through the process and then the marketing and the sales aspect, right? So if you got to go pitch to mm -hmm. one of these organizations, what is that like? Who are you pitching to? And what, what are they looking for to make them go, oh, that's a winner? Okay. So there's a lot in that question. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I got it off. Okay. So depending on the industry, you know, a lot of times they want mass market, okay. depending on the industry. Um, the toy and game industry, they want that wow factor, maybe something that hasn't been done before, but also has familiar play. Um, but it also depends on the company. So now that I've pitched to certain companies over and over, they can say, well, we are looking for this, or we want education with the fund, or we just want the education, or we want. And so I can zone in on specific things for specific companies and pitch to them what pertains to them, because it, it's not valuable for their time or my time to pitch them something that's not a good fit for their company. And so you have to do your research on the companies. Um, so I've learned that I've pitched some things to people that it probably wasn't a good fit in the beginning. I, I've learned a lot. Um, and then what was the next question? <laughs> well, you, you, you hit them all right. Which is, Did you know, I? Okay. so you, you, you know, who are you pitching to and what are they looking for in the, in the you know, looking for a wow factor or mass market appeal. Right. right. Uh, is, is, uh, I'm guessing that these com committees are who you're pitching to they've done this before, right? So they can make a subjective decision and typically be right without necessarily a lot of data or testing. Has anybody ever said to you, April, I love this. Can we make 50 and go test it? Um, not that exactly, but, but play testing a game or uh, a toy. If okay. We need to get a, um, a group together of kids with their moms, get their thoughts on this and, and things like that. So that's happened. And, and it's not always a big committee. Usually it's, it's one person, maybe the marketing manager, maybe product development team, maybe sales, depending on the company and the size of the company 
And if you get through that person, then they take it and pitch it to the next, you know, group of people, the whole team. And so usually it has to go up levels. Rarely is it you're pitching to the right person, the one person who's going to make that decision, unless it's a smaller company. And sometimes you are, uh, or, or small to medium sized company. So it just really depends on the company structure and layout and size of company, you know, who you end up pitching and how many kind of layers or levels that needs to go up the chain before you can get a yes or a no. It's just like any sales pitch. <laughs> yes. You know, everybody wants to know, well, why didn't you make the sale? Well, it's because I got seven levels I need to go through. This yes. is Dante's Inferno, basically. That's what's happening here. <laughs> right. Um, how many, how many, this you ballpark this figure, how many pitches have you done? Oh, gosh, I don't even, I don't even know if I could, uh, hundreds. Yeah, wow. I, I, I don't even know, especially when you go to um, shows, you know, there's different shows depending on, you know, housewares and toys and games, you've got hardware shorts, um, hard, hardware shows. Um, so when you're at a show, then you set up appointments and then you also can do, you know, walk right up to someone and, and pitch right then and there. Uh, and then once you have that contact information, then it's just following up. If it's a no, then, then, you know, you ask if the company's open for you to bring new ideas and usually they are, and then you pitch them the next idea and the next idea. And usually I try to have a good few to pitch at one time. Mm -hmm. So I'm not just, you know, have a half an hour, an hour and I have one product to pitch. So, you know, I think if they were added up, it's, it's definitely in, in the hundreds. And, and I haven't been at this very long either. I, I would say, well, in retrospect, <laughs> my first idea was over 11 years ago, but really like, I feel like getting into the game really sure. um, where I'm constantly turning over idea and pitching and turning over next idea and pitching um, has just been a, a few years. So when you think about the the initial stages of an idea, how how long do you give an idea before you say, "All right, I'm going to take this to someone," or I'm going to you know put it off on a shelf somewhere? Is there a is there a kind of a tipping point for you internally to go, "I think I've got something here"? Well, I I definitely write all of my ideas down as they come, and then I kind of I in a way I concentrate on what shows are coming up. Sure. And if, it, if, if a houseware show is coming up, then I'm going to concentrate maybe on those products. And if the toy and game shows are coming up that I want to attend, then I'll concentrate on those and, and then go from there. But really, it's doing that initial research to see, okay, what is out there that's similar? If something's out there that's similar or too similar, then I don't want to spend my time on it. Um, but sometimes if it's similar, that's okay. It means that there's a need for it. There's other sure. people are buying those items. So what can set mine apart? What uh, it differentiates it from the other things and makes it better? So it really kind of just depends on, you know, the research I do and how I feel about it too. If I'm like, oh, I don't know. I might ask, you know, my family, my kids, if they're not you know, excited about it, then I'm like, oh, okay, let's put this one on the back burner and, and wait. See, you'd make a great salesperson. I mean, we're going to talk after this podcast. You, you know, you know what's interesting <laughs> is I, it's so funny, is I have taken on a sales rep role for my product. So I just recently helped get it into a couple retailers that the, um, that Richards was not already in. And so oh. I took that upon myself to get it in because I, you know, I, I, want it to be any, everywhere it possibly can be. And actually I can announce this right now. You're the first to know. Um, 
I just was able to um, get the the word that Wright Height will be on Marine Corps bases in the exchanges for the holiday season. So I'm super excited about that. That took um, quite a, quite a lot of work to make happen, and well, I'm congratulations. Hopeful. Thank you. I'm hopeful that if it does well or when it does well, uh, then maybe they'll take it on as a full-time product. So that's, that's exciting. And where else do you have, where is Right Height being distributed right now? So it's on Amazon. It's online at Walmart, Kohl's. It's online at Bed Bath & Beyond. Um, also soon to be Lowe's. Um, and then it's in some home goods stores as well and then some stores up in Canada um so this will be the closest this will be the first time I get to see my product <laughs> in person shelf. at a retail store yeah it's because I it's not at the home goods near me so I'm excited to take family photos of it in the MCX on on the base so I'm excited about that so for the right head product where is that being manufactured so Richard's Homewares is the company that licenses it. So okay. they are in charge of manufacturing and they have different um, factories um, over in Asia that, that do the products. And then since it's licensed, then they're in charge of getting it into the retailers. But then, like I said, I'm trying to get it into other places that they're, they don't have their foot in the door in currently. And then does your fee structure change if you're the one to kick the door down? Yes. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> That's definitely a topic of discussion. Uh, when you uh, when you think about your kids watching you do what you do that you love, what's the what's the biggest lesson do you think? That, I mean, whether or not they're inventors, mm -hmm. when you look at and by the way, I'm sure all four of your children are very different. My four kids, my three kids. Geez, I don't have four. I don't think I have four. <laughs> my three are extremely different people. So when yeah. you look at your four, how do they? You said one's drawing and helping you there and the other one's helping prototype. Describe what you think their biggest takeaways are. I think and I hope that their biggest takeaway is to know that you can achieve anything. You can accomplish anything. There's not a certain age you have to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, they they saw me, well, from the time we had our first son, I became a stay-at-home mom with my mm -hmm. my husband's you know, career, it, it made it really hard. And a lot of women will work uh, with their um, spouse in the military. But for us, we just thought it would be best to have one parent stable at home at all times. And, um, and once we had one child, we had four, like yeah. boom, boom. the fourth one was born before the oldest was was five. Um, so it was just it was a lot and it was intense. And so they for many years, I was stay at home. And I was their constant and my main focus was them. And then they slowly started seeing me, okay, now mom has some other, uh, other important things going on in her life. And, and she's, she's passionate about things. And about the same time the inventing happened, I started also, um, we kind of did a 180 in our health um, because of just some, some things that had gone on. And from what I was learning um, that helped us make the changes, I started then teaching other people. So at the same time, I became a natural health coach, helping others. So then they started seeing me, okay, mom's now helping other people. So they, I think they've seen, they got to see me in a different light, you know, instead of only taking care of them, which is very important and something I'm so glad and blessed I got to do sure. and I still get to do. 
um, and that we we're uh, blessed enough to be in that situation where I could stay home because not everyone is in that yep. is is in that. Um, so they got to see me in a different light and see me work hard and see a product come from an idea that I had to a prototype to well, now it's selling and, and now mom's teaching other people how to do it. And, and now she's working on other ideas and now other ideas are close and we're in negotiations with things and, and they're, they're understanding what a contract is. They're learning about negotiation. They're learning about, um, you know, 3d design and, and printing and, you know, benefit statements and <laughs> all kinds of things that, um, you know, I don't want to say normal kids, but, but kids don't all get to have that opportunity. And so, the marketing and the sales when I'm like, I got it into this store and they're learning so many different things that I'm hoping they can just take pieces from, from all of that, no matter what they do in their life. But just also to know that no matter what it is and when they decide to make the change in their life, that they can do it and be passionate about it. Because it's not like I've become a millionaire yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> They've seen me working on these goals for a while. Um, but I'm passionate about it and I enjoy what I do. And so I hope they enjoy what they do someday and that they're passionate about what they get to do. April, I should end the podcast right now. It was like a master, <laughs> I, I, it was like a master class. <laughs> Literally. I, it's almost like you, you have that written down somewhere. I don't know how no. you just did that. So we were full disclosure. We were joking before. She's like, you've had so many great guests. I don't know if I'm, Oh my goodness. That was awesome. And, one of the things that I thoroughly love about this job is I get to meet people like you. I mean, I, I meet the coolest people and I get to have a conversation as if we bumped into each other in a bus station, you know, and you'd go home at night and you're like, well, that was just really great. Right. So there, there's a couple of things I want to, I want to touch on that you talked about because I believe your kids have such a leg up on other people because of the experiences. And there's, there's some things we need to really touch on. So They've seen you succeed, but they've also seen you fail. Mm -hmm. That is really important, right? They know yeah. that if they don't get the promotion or their paper isn't published or they don't make that team or all sorts of things happen, big deal. You get up, dust your, you know, dust your knees off and go do it again. And right. that's, it's so important because I think a lot of parents are afraid to see their kids fail. Mm -hmm. And then kids are not enabled when they get out there to fail. It's just, they don't know how to handle it. Right, right. So that's really great. They also see the fact that um, you're you're bringing all of your experiences, like you said, you know, contracts, 3D design, um, learning how to do a sell sheet. I mean, I think that's just that is a staple for any skill going forward. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I just think there's so many great things there. And the, the most fundamental lesson there that's really important. And, and by the way, we do this on leadership and entrepreneurship. The parenting often gets woven into these podcasts because the skills cross over so much. Right. And right. for your kids to know that it's okay for mom to be passionate about other things lets them know that when they get out in the real world, they are not the center of the universe anymore. <laughs> it it is. Right. And I'm glad you said that because you know, so many women, uh, and me included, suffer from mom guilt. Oh yeah. You know, and like we're not, oh now I'm not giving them enough time. And now, you know, it's not all about them. And it's it you know, it's good for it not to be all about them all of the time. It really is. And, and to be honest, my life was so all about them and mm -hmm. all about being a military spouse and all about that, that 
for a while, I lost who I was. I yeah. did not, that was my identity. If you asked me who I was, or, you know, I would say I'm a military spouse and I'm a mom, nothing else. Like forget April who likes to have fun, who likes to dance, who likes to meet people, who likes to socialize, like forget that, who likes to teach, you know, she was like gone. She was just gone for a while. Yeah. And I had to learn who I was again. And in that process, um, I learned that I liked different things. I learned that I wasn't the complete same person as I, as I was. And in that time I started substitute teaching as well. So it went mm -hmm. from like mom with no jobs, even though mom being a mom is a huge job, right? But oh, mom yeah. with no jobs in, in my kids' eyes to now mom's an inventor, mom substitute teaching, and mom is helping other people with natural health. And so the dynamics of our household changed. I mean, it was completely where, you know, we had to sit down and, and everyone needs to pitch in more. Yeah. And um, everyone, you know, and the roles have changed to where I, I have to admit, um, and I know my husband will listen to this sometime, but he does more dishes and laundry than I do now because like, it, it just, it's that way where it used to be totally reversed. And then it was kind of even, and some days I do more, some days he does more with the household chores. It's not just, I I'll do it because I'm home with the kids. It made sense at that time. I'm home. I cook, I yeah. clean. He helps me when he's around, but um, so the, they've seen the dynamics change. And I think that's good for them as well. Oh, it is. It's really good for them. And you know, you, you touched on health and wellness has become a passion of yours as well. And obviously, I've got a background in, in health and wellness. So I'm really curious about that dancing, by the way, that's a whole other podcast, we'll drill down on that. We'll, we'll do a TikTok episode at some point. Oh, April. Okay. Um, but you know, the pitching in thing is really important. And again, you know, kids take on responsibilities, they watch your husband taking on responsibilities, which, quite frankly, I think is a great example. My kids know that when we go to a friend's house, and we we're very fortunate to have people with lake houses or beach houses or whatever at the time dinner's over, they're the ones up doing the dishes. Right. That is just, mm -hmm. it's inexcusable. And they know they'd get a look for me if it didn't happen. I've never had to give them a look. They just do it. <laughs> but um, it, you know, it's important when my wife and I got married, I made a, a tragic mistake early in our marriage where we had just remodeled a home in beautiful green Bay, Wisconsin. It was an older home and she cleaned the kitchen and I'm kind of have a thing about kitchens. So I, was wiping the counter down again, not knowing that she'd already wiped it down. She goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm wiping the She goes, I just did that. The kitchen's yours. And that was it. She walked out of the room and I've done the dishes every night since we've been married. <laughs> so she goes, that's fine. That's your thing. You go do your thing. <laughs> right, right. Um, so tell me a little bit about this. You, you, you identified a shift in your family with health and wellness how important has that been between you for you and your obviously for your husband in the military? It's a big part of what they do, but mm -hmm. how are you weaving that into your home life? Well, you know, for this may just seem like a weird topic, but I, I was thin before I had kids. I mm -hmm. don't know if I would say I was healthy. Um, and so me learning that it, you know, once I was done having kids to lose that weight, um, at first it was all about just losing the weight. And then I had to realize one, it, it needs, it should be about being strong and yep. feeling good um, and eating healthy and not just eating salad. So I can, you know, you know, be, be thin. Um, so it's interesting to teach your kids about, you know, the proteins and the good fats and things like that. Um, we also had some, we'll just say behavioral issues and digestive sure. issues in the, in the house. And so really taking a look at like what can be done natural health wise what can we do um, to 
um, for our gut health? What can we do for our mental and emotional health? I personally had suffered from anxiety and depression for many years and was on and off medications until I learned some good tools with natural health and, and just even things like journaling and um, visualization techniques and, and quiet time. Um, and so I, I had to learn a lot of tools. Um, and then of course, then that reflects and dominoes on the children about how, you know, we need to be active and we need to eat healthy. And we, we went on a gluten-free diet as a whole family um, to help one of the kids. And wow, did it make a difference in behavior and then in digestive system. And so, you know, we, we are just doing everything we can also then to be um, preventative as much as we can in our health. I think preventive and proactive yes. in our health. Um, medical system, a lot is about, you know, just- Reactive. <laughs> Yes. And, and we've learned that if we take certain vitamins, if we take, you know, our pre and probiotics, if we do different things for our mental and, um, and our physical health, that it's, it's all tied together because a lot of people don't realize that there's more neurotransmitters in our gut than in our brain. And so if your gut is not healthy, your brain is not healthy, which means depression, anxiety, and all of that are going to be worse if your gut is messed up. So you can heal the gut. Anyway, that, that's just a little bit of tangent on it. But so, so we use um, a lot of natural health and, and essential oils are a big part of that as well. And just learning the tools and learning for the kids to take care of themselves. So if, if they have a cut, what do they do? If they have a tummy ache, what, what can they use? What can they have? And just things like that so that we're teaching them the tools when they leave the house, they don't need to just be, you know, living on Advil or Tylenol or whatever the heck, sure. you know, is the thing at the moment um, that they can be preventative and proactive as well in their health. So that's just really important to us. And then we're active, you know, biking and hiking and water sports and, you know, just moving our bodies as a family every chance we get. So there's just a lot of common sense there. I mean, the human body is designed to ingest naturally organic foods, process them, pull the nutrients out, use them for good and get rid of the bad stuff. That's just how the body's meant to do it. Right. There's just not a lot of really good organic things out there. My, my advice to my family, my kids, and, and, you know, I did this for 10 years and I'm a fitness guy and they know it and they roll their eyes at me something, you know, <laughs> if it comes in a shrink wrap plastic, you probably shouldn't eat it. If it's got a nutrition label on it, you probably shouldn't eat it. Right. right. If you think about vegetables, you know, fresh meats, even fresh grains in a grocery store, they don't have a nutritional label. You pick up a, a lean piece of meat, it says meat. <laughs> you pick up an apple, there's no nutritional label on an apple. Right. 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 So, and, and, and let it, so this, there's just all, so many things about that. And, uh, you know, all the processing that goes on in our diets is so important. I, I could do 35 podcasts on this topic. We get you oh, back on, sure. go into it. So, uh, you know, I, I ran a health and fitness business for 10 years and I built a complex set of algorithms that would give people micro macronutrient assignments and three meals mm -hmm. and recipes a day and all the exercise. And when people would ask me, you know, what's the, if you could boil it down, what's the biggest advice And there's a lot to moderation, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you eat a little bit of some things, it probably is going to be okay with you. But if you eat a lot of any one thing, that's it's, it's going to be a problem. Same right. thing with activity. If you're fairly active, you're going to be okay. So, um, you know, you've, you've juggled so much, uh, April with, you know, teaching the kids running your business, obviously, you know, with your husband in the military, that means movements and changes in places across the country and him being gone and not home and all those things you have to manage. And 
Um, and the, by the way, the mental stress that goes along with that, right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of things there. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I'm actually thinking to myself, I have another hour worth of questions I want to ask you. So we're going to schedule another one of these. <laughs> um, but I'm going to close with this. What's the, maybe you can't tell us, maybe it's top secret, but what's the coolest invention you have going right now? Gosh, that's a tough one. Right. The, if you were to pick coolest... one. Well, I think one that's going to be the most mainstream is a product you will soon find, hopefully, in your bathrooms and kitchens and maybe offices. I think it can fit in all of those um, all of those industries. So I can't tell you because that's the thing. Inventors can't share their ideas with with the world until they're either for retail or um, about to hit to be kind of like a launched, you know, excitement thing. Otherwise, the copycats will come. So what we're going to do is when it goes live, I'll be following you and then I'll repost it to all of our listeners so they can find out what it is because they're going to be curious. That sounds good. I like it. There's, uh, you've been wonderful and I'm just grateful. And I think, uh, you're, you're going to be an inspiration for a lot of people, entrepreneurs, leaders, mothers, parents, everybody listening to this can relate to a lot, especially people that have been at home through COVID right now. Mm-hmm. There's so much to relate to what you're describing and you do it with a smile on your face. And I think it's just the greatest thing in the world, April. We're so happy we had you in the program. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, I think it's all about paying it forward. I learned the things I learned from other people. And so I just need to pass it along. That's well, all we got to do. You certainly pay it forward. And uh, we'll do a follow-up episode because I'm uh, now I'm really curious what this thing is. I want to see one in my kitchen at some point. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, April. Thanks for listening to another episode of Eating Crow, available on all podcast platforms. You can follow Pete on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram to join the Eating Crow community. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We'll see you soon.